0: We stand forgiven at the cross. That's one of those things. It's just, it's amazing to me. The other song, you know, the wrath of God, you know, satisfied. Just sit and contemplate those things sometimes, you know. We're forgiven, past, present, and future. Like, and then you're talking about once an enemy of God, now we're seated at his table. Like, I want you to look at each other, look at the people beside you and imagine sitting at the table of God and you saying you remember when we sat in church and we were talking about this and here we are sit- seated we're we're sitting seated at the right hand of God here like watching him serve and you look back at this like it was just so unbelievable we're forgiven and now we're sit- seated at his table it's just amazing if y'all ain't amazed that's fine i'm amazed it's just blowing my heart up man it's um yeah just look just look at each other and just think like that for a second that you've been forgiven now the sermon today have you guys ever wanted to tell somebody to grow up I take it that you guys enjoy that. While you're looking at your neighbor, go ahead and just tell them, grow up. Because, because man, y'all are having too much fun. But see, the thing is, the, the, ser- the sermon today is not just for young people. It's for all of us. All the way up to Chuck's age. <laughs> <laughs> up to Chuck's age. <laughs> yeah. 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 Poor Roger. Roger, if you watch this later, they're picking on you. So, But you know, the songs they are talking about, yeah, we stand forgiven at the cross, but you look at each other and you tell each other, don't stay there. Go ahead and tell them. Say, grow up, don't stay there. That's right, you, you've, been, you've been forgiven, but don't stay there. That's what it's going to be about today, is, is is grow up. Grow up in every way into Christ by the truth and love. So, if you will, go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be reading verses 11 through 16 today. There's a lot of stuff in this. The Holy Spirit was like so speaking through Paul, I mean, it's... It's amazing all the things that are jam-packed into this letter to the Ephesians. If you will, go ahead and stand with me and we'll read uh, God's Word together. Start in verse 11. It's Paul and the Holy Spirit speaking to, to us today. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would be a people who always... Rejoice in being forgiven, that we always rejoice in in you standing in our place and taking the wrath on our behalf. But Lord, I pray that we will not be a people who stay there immaturely, that we would grow deeply and deeper into these truths. There's nothing greater than the gospel. Lord, we know there's nothing greater than the gospel because you are the gospel and there's nothing greater than you. But Lord, teach us to go deeper into these things. Help us to get our mindset um, right to where we won't just stay at the elementary things, that we will go deep and think deeper and deeply about You, knowing You, walking with You. So when we are seated at that table, we will be blown away together at how much more You even were than what we thought. Lord, let us look forward to that day, and Lord, be with my mouth, let me say the things you want me to say. Lord, teach us all this morning, teach me as I'm um, teaching and preaching, Lord. Fill us with your Spirit, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So last week was a lot of teaching, and I get it, I get it was a lot of teaching. It hadn't been laid out on the table like that before, um, or at least not while I've been here. Um Obviously, we were talking about there were two local body offices. You know, that's what we believe. If you're in a local church, if you're at Heritage, there are only two offices that are functioning there: pastor, elders, and deacons. Uh, The pastor, elders are shepherding the flock, and the and the deacons are serving the flock and and helping minister. But um, what we read last week are the functions of the Big C Church, the things that go out among the whole body of believers, the the things that are going out into the frontiers of of christianity to things that are intertwined between local bodies that uh minister to one another i uh, talked about apostles and prophets evangelists pastors and teachers these these functions can be used um interchangeably and we should be as a as a as a big f family um of body be- of believers um these these functions we talked about last week or two or the last two weeks really the functions are given to us to equip the church To build up the church and to strive to attain the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. Um, I think uh, maybe one or two out of three always get done. Um, Sometimes you'll be in churches and uh, the leadership are not equipping. Or maybe you're equipping um, but not doing some of the other things. Uh, But these three things from what Paul is saying, what Holy Spirit was saying through Paul, those are the three things that this leadership should be doing. When you see an apostle, when you see a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher, they're supposed to be equipping you and building you up in the church and and striving to have unity uh, of the faith of the one faith that we're supposed to have—the one faith in Jesus Christ and the knowledge of Him, not just about Him, but knowing Him and walking with Him. That's what the leadership is supposed to be doing. So, if this leadership is doing what it's supposed to be doing, it's going to lead us into what we're talking about today, which. You've already seen the title. I've already told you the title. is to grow up. It's to grow up. Um, we're not to stay in the same place. Um, like I said, it's not a going beyond the gospel. You don't go beyond the gospel. It's going deeper into the gospel with one another and knowing Jesus deeply or deeper to it and, and, and setting yourself up for growth. And um, if the this leadership is equipping like they should be you will be growing and that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about grow up in three different ways grow up to mature adulthood grow up in every way and grow up the body these are the three things that you see paul talking about in this passage after he talks about that leadership is the building up the growing uh, in every way all of these things to mature he wants maturity in these believers Um, And some people would say, well, that's a little early. These guys just gave up their witchcraft and all these things. They just threw their books into the fire. Well, there's no better time than the present to start learning more about Christ because we won't ever find the end of it. So you begin growing as soon as you're you're born again. That's what we want to talk about today. So the first one, grow up to mature adulthood. Let's read that passage. uh, Chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. This leadership is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of what? Of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To what? Mature manhood or adulthood. To maturity. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What does Paul say in the very next verse? So that what? So that we may no longer be children. Now what does Paul mean here? I thought being a child was good. I thought Jesus said, come to me and be like a child. Come to me in childlike faith. Trust me like a child. So Paul is saying, don't be children any longer. Don't be children. So there has to be a reconciliation, right? There has to be some uh, meaning. They both can't be wrong, but what, what do they mean? Jesus does say, come to us like a child. Jesus wants us to always trust Him and believe Him like children. He wants us to trust Him and believe Him like children. If you've ever been around any little children and you've watched them with their parents, I'm talking about real little kids, like Shiloh's age and those guys, whenever they look at their parents, everything their parents do is right. They believe who they are. They can tell them something and they just believe it. They trust that they're always telling the truth. That whatever they say, that's just life. That's just life. That's what Jesus is wanting you to come to Him like. Just trust Him. Trust Him as life, like a little child. So, what is Paul meaning? Paul is wanting us to mature in that. You deepen into that knowledge of who. He is, while you still maintain that trust and that belief of Him as the truth and who, who He says He is. Little, tr- little children always trust and believe everything Mom and Dad tell them without question until we, in our fallen state, give them reason not to. You know, when they grow up, they, they start seeing our flaws and such. Well, that doesn't happen with Christ, He is flawless, He is perfect. So we can always stay that way with him. So children do that when they're real little. What else is true about children? So they're, they're, that can't be the only thing that's true about children, that they just believe everything like that, like, and they trust their parents. What else is true about little children that Paul is trying to aim at? He says, no, so that no long, you will no longer be children. Children are what we say, at least in Greenville, they're squirrely. You ever seen it what, what do we mean by that well whenever you're driving down the road how many times have you seen a squirrel come out in the middle of the road they're like oh i want to go i don't want to go i don't and, and, they, and they they're squirrely they're squirrely children are squirrely they can be squirrely and they most times are squirrely yeah <laughs> they they man that's just wrong they love you they cannot focus on one thing for very long. You know, they'll play with one toy, and they love it. Then there's something else. Oh, that's better. I'm going to go grab that. And they forget all about that one. Then they're like, oh, there's something else. I'm going to go grab that. And they start playing with that, and they forget about those. That's what Paul is getting at, that we no longer will be children. Because he mentions it later on in the passage. Children get easily distracted. They believe everything they see and hear is true. New believers are this way, and that is totally okay for a time. When we look at kids, and they're this this size, and we look at them, that's cute. You know, it's cute. But if they're still doing it when they're 21, 38, 70, 100, it's not really cute, is it? It's not. Um, so you keep that childlike faith. You keep that childlike belief. You always believe everything Jesus is saying, but don't, don't be squirrely. <laughs> don't, don't be distracted by every little thing that comes down the pike. That's what Paul is wanting. He's wanting them to be mature. You should not still be like this after you've been saved half of your life. Jesus does not want us to remain that way. Neither does Paul, and neither do me and Chuck we don't want that for you either. We want you to get we want you to grow deeply. Ephesians 4:14 here says so that we may no longer be children and what what does he say here he describes it tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. I know you guys have known somebody like that. You know that they're a believer, but yet every time something comes up, they, they, they bite after it, hook, line, and sinker. Oh, this guy said this on TV, and I'm all about it now. And they run down that row, uh, down that row and they, they run it all the way down, and then they see something else, and they're like, I'm going to go after that. That other, that other uh, form of theology or a form of something that sounded flashy um, and they 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 bite all of it and they take it and they're 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 running their lives all over the place and not grounded in what the scripture says. Paul is wanting that for us. Paul was wanting that for the Ephesians, and we want that for you guys. We don't want you to be tossed in, to and fro by every wave that comes to you at, in life. Every time something hard comes at you, and you're just you don't know what's going on. I don't know if. If Jesus is who He says He is, like you, we don't want that for you. We want you to be grounded. We want you to be anchored um, into Christ. We don't want you to be carried around every time every, by every wind that blows your way. Every time you hear something new, oh, that has to be true because somebody, someone on TV said so, or Joel Osteen said it, and where's where's Stuart? Oh, yeah, that's your that's your guy, right? Yeah, so. It doesn't matter if John Piper said it. If it doesn't add up to this, it's not right. So that's what we want you guys, that's what we want you guys to, um, to be, and that's what Paul is wanting us to do. So how do we grow up to mature adulthood? How do we do that? What does the passage say here? That the gifts of leadership that are given to the church are to be what? Equipping you, building you up, striving to attain the unity of the faith, and what? The knowledge of the Son of God. What is that knowledge? What does that knowledge mean? Knowledge of the Son of God. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I'll try to say this word. Epignosis, which means recognition, precise and correct knowledge. When I heard the the definition of recognition, that's exactly what it is when you see Christ. You recognize more and more and more of who He is. Not more things that you didn't realize, more deeply into the things that you see here. You remember we talked about that last week, about how it's not more, God is so much more than this Bible, but He goes deeper into it. He's not in addition to There's not in addition to this Word. There's nothing outside of Scripture that adds to Scripture. But God is so much more than this because He goes deeper into this Word you recognize more and more of who Christ is. You're like, man, I didn't realize that meant all of that. When it says he's faithful and true, the more you get to know him, you're like, man, is he faithful and true? Like there's nothing more true than Jesus. There's no one in this that in this universe and outside of this universe who is more faithful than Jesus. You go deeper and deeper. And even when you're 96, like my grandma, if she's watching it, you find out how more faithful Jesus is at 96 than you did when you were 20 or 16. And it's like you grow deeper into that. But if you're staying there and you're not growing, and you're like, yeah, God's, the Bible says He's faithful and true. And, you, and you're a Christian for 20, 30 more years. Yeah, God is faithful and true. And you don't see that. You don't recognize more of Christ with precise and correct knowledge of seeing how he's doing this there's no growth there and Paul is saying we want you to grow up we want you to grow up these functions in the church should be doing their job to feed you maturing you up to adulthood and that doesn't mean they're doing all of the work for you that means that they're equipping you on how to eat if you have a little a little child and you know, he still doesn't know how to feed himself when he's 50 years old. So he has to have someone feed him. That's not exactly right, is it? So, us as leadership have to teach you guys how to feed yourself. And that's what discipleship is. We we say, here's the spoon, here's the fork, here's the knife. This is what each one of those things do. A fork will do this, a spoon will do that, and a knife will help you do that. Use those tools to eat this food. Use those tools to eat this food. To take that in and go deeper into that. And then some of you may learn how to cook one day and learn how to teach. And God may have you doing those things. And you you show other people how to use the fork and how to use the spoon and how to use the knife and how to feed themselves. But if, if the leadership is not equipping you to do that, you're going to go through the rest of your life not knowing how to feed yourself. And you'll end up being... 50, 60, 70 years old, depending on Sunday mornings. And that's not what the intent is. This leadership that we talked about last week are to equip you. Not only from the pulpit, which that is is vital. It's vital. God has called us to preach the Word of God and the Spirit speaks to the Holy Spirit in you through preaching. But it's also all through the week from Sunday to Sunday is discipleship and multiplying discipleship you pour into one person that that person starts pouring into another person and that person starts pouring into another person they start delivering Christ that they they understand and then they start giving it to the next person and the next person all the while all of you are still going deeper growing deeper into that recognition of who God is and you're not finding new things about God you're just uncovering them Holy Spirit is taking the the pills off of your eyes as you're, as you're discipling. There's two problems I want to I wanna talk about about someone who's not growing. If you have leadership that are biblical, that like they're equipping you and building you up, they're pouring into you. If you have leadership like that and you have folks, your brothers and sisters, discipling you, they're pouring into you consistently, but you just aren't growing. It's one of two problems that I can see. And I say that I can see because there may be other ones that I didn't notice, but I think there's at least these two problems. Either you are a child who is sick or you are still spiritually dead. It's just one of those two. Could be, could be more. If you have others, come, come bring it up to me. I'm, I'll listen. But if you are a child who is sick, when anyone is sick, you don't really feel like doing anything, do you? Like you don't feel, well, you just want to, I just want to go lay around and, you know, I just don't feel like doing anything. Especially not eating if you have that kind of sickness. Just, you're just like, I don't want to eat anything. I don't even put anything in my mouth. Same thing with a, a spiritually sick person. They don't want to put this in and what is that sickness? A believer is sick when there is sin present in their life. When there's unrepentant sin going on in their life. It causes you to be sick. I don't know why I don't want to read Scripture. I don't want to pray. Well, same thing when you're physically sick. You don't want to eat. You don't want to take anything in. You don't want to drink because you don't want to have to get up and do anything. A believer is sick when there is sin present in their lives. Unrepentant sin. What do you do? Repent of the sin, turn away, and turn to Jesus in the Word, prayer, loving God and your neighbor as yourself. You play those things out. You don't just turn to Him and, and start soaking in, but you start soaking in so you can pour out again. Doing something for someone else will do more for you than just soaking in all the knowledge. Do all of those things. Look for Jesus in the Word. Speak to Him in prayer. Tell Him where you're at. Lord, I'm sick. I've got this sin problem. I've got to do something about it. Give me repentance. Show me the way. Show me the steps I need to do to get out of this sin problem. It's making me sick. I'm not growing at this point. I'm not eating. And it's unhealthy for me to not eat because I'm going to wither away and die. I have to do something about this sin. So, you're either a child who is sick or the other, you are still spiritually dead. You are just not born again. You are not a Christian. If you have been truly born again and repenting of sin and believing God, Holy Spirit in me is going to talk to Holy Spirit in you, and you will grow you will grow not just personal growth or in what you expect other Christians want to hear from you but growth in what? what the passage say in the unity of the faith repenting and believing you'll grow in repentance and belief you'll grow in the knowledge of the Son of God who God is and who we are in light of that when you see Him for who He is when you recognize who He is then you automatically see I'm not that He is holy and I'm not that and you grow, and you go deeper. I want to give you a piece of advice, and this sounds like it's kind of harsh, not necessarily to you, but in the situations that you get into. But it's true. You cannot disciple someone who is dead. You cannot disciple someone who is dead. You can't teach someone how to be a Christian if they're not filled with the Holy Spirit and born again. If you're born again, you have life and you can teach that person how to be like Christ and they'll want to be like Christ. But if someone hasn't been born again, teaching them how to be like Christ is merely religion. You're showing them the Eightfold Path or whatever else. It's no different. There's no difference. You cannot disciple, truly disciple someone who is dead. And it made me think about this, and I've had this in conversations with people the last two weeks, so apparently I have to bring it up. Um, I don't know, I don't even remember if I watched all of this movie, but I get the premise of it. How many of you have ever seen Weekend at Bernie's? Old, older movie, I think is what, 80s? In the 80s? I mean, I've, I remember it being on TV all the time when I was a kid. Apparently for this sermon illustration. <laughs> the Providence of God. I never watched the whole thing. I just caught the premise of it back in the day the whole movie, or at least all the parts that I saw, they're trying to convince everyone they come in contact with that Bernie is really alive. That he isn't just very... T- he's, just, he's just a person that's not very talkative. He's just not a very lively person. Everywhere they go, they're changing the man's clothes. They're holding, propping him up with sunglasses on. They're they're trying to convince everyone that he's not dead. We do the same thing when we don't want to come to terms that the people we love are just not born again. Because we don't want to settle that in our hearts. And we'll dress them up and we'll put Hawaiian shirts on them and put sunglasses on them. Look, they look just like me. We're hanging out here. Well, Bernie's not moving. (laughs) Bernie's not growing. Bernie's not talking. Bernie is dead. And that's not, I mean, it's funny and it's lighthearted at the moment, but it's really a serious issue. Because the people we love, we want them to be born again. Right? Don't you want them to be born again? Well, all all we can do is pray that God will give them life. If you have Holy Spirit and you have someone pouring into you, you will grow in Christ. Now, the rates of growth are different. Everyone's not going to look the same, and that's okay. That's okay. You've heard me say it before. If you're at least moving and crawling, you may be struggling, but you're grasping towards Christ. You're moving. You have life in you. You're you're grabbing. You may be shaking, like you're weak as water, but you're moving. You have life in you. Dead people just—they don't move. They don't—they don't struggle. They don't fight for knowing Christ. They don't know those things. We need to pray for those people. I'll put it simply like this: Don't exhaust yourself trying to disciple Bernie. Don't exhaust it because you will. How do I know that? It's from experience. You'll exhaust yourself and you'll burn out trying to disciple Bernie to make yourself feel better that they look like, you know, they look like they're supposed to. Well, you'll exhaust yourself and frustrate yourself so deeply. What do you do with Bernie? Give Bernie the gospel. Give Bernie the gospel because that's the only thing that will make those dead bones come alive. It's the only thing that will make Bernie come alive. The gospel is what? What did Paul say in Romans? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Not just a piece of it. It's the power of God. He has moved heaven and earth to bring people to life, to cause them to be born again, as Peter would say. So how do we, there's a little tangent, a little parentheses for your benefit because I don't want you to have to waste your time on doing that. It's not a waste of time if you're giving them the gospel. But how do we mature to adulthood? Plug into reading and studying Scripture. And like we said before, repent of those sins that are, are causing you to be sick and that are, that are working on your appetite or killing your appetite. Prayer. Prayer should be as natural as breathing for a born-again believer. No matter how simple they are, God help. Just help me. God grow me. I want to know you. Simple prayers. You don't have to give him a whole list of, of things and try to blow his mind. You're not going to blow his mind. <laughs> but I think sometimes in our own pride, we think we're going to impress him. We we come at him with all these words and, and such. Ecclesiastes says, "Hey, don't don't be quick to come into the presence of God. Let your words be few because he's God in heaven and we're on earth. You're not going to impress him. What impresses him is when you're when you're like Christ because Christ impresses him completely, all the way, nothing lacking. Christ impresses him all the way. Nothing more you can add to that for you to say I want to impress him is to say I'm more than Christ. That's our pride. That's what we're like in the flesh." We all know that, but we don't always say it. We don't like saying that. That's, that's what it is. But prayer should be as natural as breathing for the born-again believer. Find community to grow in. Discipleship groups. If you're here at Heritage, man, I'm, I'm telling you, that's where you start making traction. Because you start talking about what does Scripture say? How do I put this into action in my life? Like it's not another Bible study. We're not, you know, you get that in Sunday school. You get it from preaching. You study the Word on your own. But when you're in discipleship group, it's like, well, what do I do with this? How do I put this into practice? I, I'm spiritually sick. I, I have a sin that's causing my appetite to be gone. What do I need to do about it? Someone help me. And like we joke around in our discipleship group, we say it's a safe place for repentance. Well, that's, it's true. We kind of use it lightheartedly for other things, but it is a very true thing. Your discipleship group should be a safe place for you to repent and move forward. Because that's what we all really want, right? We're running the race and we're trying to help one another win the race. You helping someone else win the race is you winning. If you both win, you've won. Like You're both crossing the finish line. You're both going after Christ. That's what we're aiming for. It's not a competition. If you're looking at it as competition. I'm, I'm better than this person. or They're better than me. Well, that's not right. You come to each other and you're like, well, what can I help you do? How, how can you help me? I, I see your your strength is in this. Your spiritual gifting is this. Show me how to do that better. Equip me to do that better. And I know how to do this. I'll equip you and... We, we all have to repent. We're all going after repentance and, and trusting Jesus. We can all help each other with that because we're all on that same road. Find community to grow in. That's what we all really want. Like We all want community. It's the reason why people hang out at, at bars. That's why people join gangs. That's why people join all kinds of things. They, they, want, they want community. They want a brotherhood. They want a sisterhood. They want to know that they're a part of something. Well, there's nothing greater than the family of God, and that's not a cliche thing. There, there, we are really family. We are really family. It's a real community. It's not something we made up to have people join. It's not a club. It's a family that you're born into. But if you do those things, you plug in reading scripture, you're, you're, you're genuine in your prayer, you're, you're finding community to grow in like discipleship groups and things of that nature of being discipled. You will begin and or continue to grow up into mature adulthood in, in, in Christ. You will no longer be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You won't be thrown off by human cunning. You won't be Uh, deceived by the craftiness of deceitful schemes you just won't because everyone's watching one another's back and you're growing together deeply into what who christ is what the uh, genuine article is you know you've heard me say that before um when you have counterfeit money you don't learn all about all of the counterfeits you learn what the the real thing looks like my dad used to carry money for a job and that's what they would tell them this is what the this is what the real money looks like you learn what that looks front back you see what it looks like so when you see something that's off you know that it's not real you don't have to go and learn every single other counterfeit you just need to know what the real thing looks like and we do that together in community we look And we recognize epignosis. We recognize correct knowledge, precise knowledge of who Christ is. And when we see Him more clearly together as a family, we, us, all of the plural uh, words we can use, when we do that together, when we see something fake or counterfeit, we'll know it. We'll know it. And you'll grow. So grow to mature adulthood, uh, adulthood. Number two, grow up in every way. I like the way Paul put that. Grow up in every way. Ephesians 4.15, he says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Grow up in every way. Did you know this? Did you, did you know that the gospel affects every area of your life? It affects every area of your life. How do we know that? When the fall occurred, it not only changed our destiny, but it it affected our whole being. The whole person it affected. You are a whole person made in the image of God. Physical, spiritual, emotional. You have those things. Jesus didn't just come to affect your eternity, but he came to affect your whole person. All of the aspects of your life. The gospel is affecting. It's not just affecting your Sunday morning. It's not just affecting your Bible study time. It's not just affecting your prayer time. It's affecting all of those things in everything that you're doing, in everything that you're involved in, in every circle that you're in in place in, that God has put you in. Paul is telling us in the Ephesians here to grow up in every way. The gospel affects all of life, not just Sunday morning. It's physically. Physically, how does it do that? God gave us a body to steward. He gave us a body to steward. And you, and some of the churches I grew up in, they would say, "Well, you know, Timothy says, you know, Paul told Timothy, you know, um, exercises of little value, and you know, but build up your mind." You know, yeah, hey, that's that's right. Spiritually, it's it's more beneficial. But did God give you a body? He did give you a body. Are we not called to stewardship? Yeah, we're called to steward everything that God has given us. We are to be good stewards with. So the gospel affects everything that you have. Grow up in every way. If God gave you a body, well, how do you do that with the gospel? You take care of it. You take care of your body. We should exercise whatever that looks like for you. Whatever that looks like for you. Walking, running, working, just doing something, taking care of your body, putting it to to good use. Whatever we can do to strengthen the body God has given us to the glory of God, it, it, the gospel affects that. It's not just all this spiritual thing. It, yes, it is the spiritual. Yes, but it's also your physical body. People need to see how does how does this Christian take care of their body? What do they eat? What do they do all the time? Like. You know, are they just incredibly out of shape? Like, they're just in terrible shape? Well, I know. The older you get, your body starts hurting. Mine creaks a little bit, and I'm only in my 30s. I'm not going to be able to move whenever I'm older. I tell Jessica all the time, I'm like, she's going to be pushing me and Isaac around, like, the rest of her life. (laughs) Because if I'm hurting, if I hurt the way I hurt now, I'm not going to be able to move. I'm just... I think that's just the truth of it. So, you do what you can with what you've got at the moment and you work with that. Here's one thing that never gets preached gluttony. Gluttony. We should not fall into gluttony or jump into it as some people would. I've jumped into it, well, I'm going to eat everything in sight. Gluttony is just simply having things in excess meals drinks snacks chocolate man let me tell you about chocolate that is my problem you want to talk about a problem and you people you think it's funny like if i start on chocolate and i don't make myself stop i'll eat too much and that is gluttony it's gluttony there's no other word for it it's gluttony so let's grow up into him who is the head taking care of ourselves physically the glory of God it does matter it does it matters how we steward the things that he's given us and a physical body is something that he has given us spiritually well that one's the easy one for us you know we we need to grow our spirits um deepen our spirits mature our spirits keep growing into more repenting and believing God yeah we we hear those things we get those things getting rid of sin growing in the fruit of the spirit By staying connected to the vine, Jesus. That's how you mature your spirit. That's how you mature in the Lord. By the word, through prayer, loving God and loving others as yourself. Preach the gospel. Live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Care for the whole of a person. Um, When you're preaching the gospel to someone, if they need something physically, take care of it. Love them in that way. Because their physical needs are just as important as their spiritual needs. You need to take care of those things. Spiritual, yes, that's eternal. But you loving them as you would yourself is taking care of their physical needs too, if it's within your reason to do so. Care for the whole of the person. Let's grow up into him spiritually, who is the head, to know him more by spending time with him. Emotionally, our emotions can change like the wind. Can anybody know, does anybody? can anybody testify to that? Your emotions change like the wind? Yes, they do. They are all over the place. That's why we get carried about with every wind of doctrine, because it's like, oh, that's nice. And, you, and you, you get squirrely, remember? The squirrel. Because our emotions can be all over the place. They change like the wind. We need, I need, we need something consistent, something more powerful than ourselves. We need Jesus. We need Him. And in your growing immaturity, you don't look back and think, well, I'm past that. You're not past that. You're going deeper in what you're learning about. Your problems haven't necessarily changed, but you're learning how to deal with the problems in a biblical way. We need Him. We need Jesus. We need to tether, we need to tie our emotions to the truth of Scripture. And say, well, I don't know what I feel like today. Well, what does the Scripture say? I need to tie it to that. Tie it to that. Because if you tie it to something else, that's blowing around like the wind too. So you're really confused. Whenever you're trying to, your, your emotions are already all over the place. So whenever you're tying it to something that's moving already, you're, you, there's no telling where you're going to end up you'll end up in the middle of nowhere and then you'll wonder one day, well, how did I get here? Well, your emotions were tied to something that wasn't steady. It needs to be tied to Christ. When we are feeling like things are out of control, Scripture says that God is sovereign, not us. He's in control. When we feel as though everyone is against us, Scripture says that if God be for us, who can be against us? And you sit there and worry, oh, someone's against me. me." Well, if I'm walking in the way I should be walking, and I'm walking in obedience, and I'm walking in love towards God and love towards others, and they still don't like me, well then, if God's for me, who can be against me? Let the whole world turn their back on me. When we don't feel love, joy, peace, Scripture tells us that God is love, joy, and peace. When we're in need of those things, which is always... Let's change our focus of worship from our problems and situations to the King of Kings. Notice what I said there. Let's change our focus of worship from our problems and situations to the King of Kings. Because whenever we have these problems, our emotions go crazy and all we see is that problem. Everywhere we go is the problem. Well, we need to shift that worship of this problem is all I see is... Let's move that to the side because God is bigger. Let me look at Christ. Let me recognize more of Him. Let me get that epignosis. I want to recognize more of Him. Help me do that. Like when I need you in discipleship group and you're like, I need to recognize God more. This problem is just overpowering me. Help me focus on Christ and I'll help you focus on Christ. When you hear me say things like, keep your eyes on Jesus, it's a very simple thing, but don't let it become something that's cliche or, or, or such because it's very uh, truly the thing we have to do is keep our eyes on Jesus keep our emotions on Jesus tethered to scripture steward your emotions let's grow up together emotionally into him who is the head to the glory of God how do we help one another grow up into Christ? Paul tells us in verse 15, what did he say first? Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. If you don't have maturity in the faith, if you're not growing in the faith, you're not growing up in the faith, truth without love can be cold and harsh. Love without truth is merely being sentimental. And whenever... You look at those things, you want to look at the other person. Warren Wiersbe, I think that's how you say his name, put it like this. Truth without love is brutality, and love without truth is hypocrisy. And Matt says your your pride will look at the other person and say that's exactly what they are. We need both of them. We need to be able to tell truth. We needed to be able to do it with love. And, and whenever you have love, if it's, not without, if it's without truth, then it's nothing more than a fleeting feeling that's not tethered to Scripture. Timothy Keller put it like this. This is a long one. I think I, I put it up there so you could read it with me. Love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but it keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. God's saving love in Christ, however, is marked by both radical truthfulness about who we are, and yet also radical, unconditional commitment to us. The merciful commitment strengthens us to see truth about ourselves and repent. The conviction and repentance moves us to cling to and rest in God's mercy and grace. It's a good place to be in when you can rest in God's mercy and grace. God has forgiven you and he's, you're seated at the table. You're not seated there for a moment. Now you're not seated, and you don't. You're not losing that. It's all settled. He's been. He's he's a, he's finished all of those things. But do you see the importance? Do you see the importance of having truth and love? If you're all about truth, you may be right, but no one's going to hear it. If you're all about love and there's no truth, what what is it? But it's just a sentiment. It's all it is. It has no truth tied to it. You need both of those things in dealing with us, with, in dealing with one another. That's how we help one another grow up in Christ. And we address all of those things, the physical, the spiritual, the emotional, and we say those things. What does Scripture say about those things that we need to do? and how do we, That's how we help one another grow up in love. Number three, grow up the body. In verse 16, Paul says, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, with which it is, is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So that part there, the whole body joined and held together by every joint, which with which it is equipped. Your your part of the body is vital to the whole of the church. I don't want you to ever think, and I know Chuck doesn't want you to ever think that you are not vitally vitally important to the church, to the local body. You think, well, I don't do much here. You being here and you being you with your spiritual gifts is very important. God has you placed here for a reason. For you to do a specific thing. For you to specifically disciple one another with something that someone else doesn't have. And when you're not here, or whenever you disconnect yourself to that, you're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting everybody else around you. So that faithfulness to one another, that community with one another, is what we need to help one another grow up. To grow the body. If you are a knee in a body, we as the pastors are to equip you to be the best functioning knee to the glory of God. That's just to put it practically. If, you, if that's what you are in the body of Christ, you're a knee, and you help the leg move so it, you can walk or run, we're going to teach you how to be the best knee. Is your knee hurt? Ankle hurt, okay. We'll teach you how to be a better ankle. It was weak, wasn't it? So we don't want a weak immature ankle. You need to have a you need to have a stronger ankle. We need to work on that. We need to equip you more. We need to equip your ankle. Yeah, the whole person too. But we gotta get that ankle right, he ain't walking nowhere. So So your part of the body is working together with the other parts to the glory of God. Now, where does the body get the strength to do this? Verse 16, it says, From whom? From whom? Let's read that. What it says, From whom the whole body joined together, so on and so forth. From whom? It says right before that, the end of 15, Into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together, and such and such, and so on and so forth. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow that, that and it builds itself up in love. The body builds itself up in love through every member of the body, f- fully using his or her spiritual gift in submission to the Holy Spirit and cooperation with one another. That is a healthy growing body of believers. God will be worshipped in adoration in all of life. Others will be loved as yourselves in every circle of influence you find yourselves. People will be born again by the preaching of the gospel. People will be discipled by maturing believers, teaching how they get along with God. It's not just a system type of thing. Yeah, it is a system. Yeah, you do have ways of doing it. But what the goal is, is getting along with God. How do you get along with God? What do you need to shut out in your life to get along with Him? What things are distracting you to get alone with him? Because that's the main point. We need time with him. We need to spend time with him, to the point where it was like Moses said that he talked to him like a friend. like he talked to God like he would talk to a friend. <laughs> we ain't going down that road. <laughs> we already had that conversation this week. He is our friend. He is our friend. He is our brother. He is God. We need to be alone with Him. God will be glorified as we walk from this earth into eternity. That's the way I see this. We're growing together and we will continue to grow as we're walking until we just, all of a sudden, we're walking through the gates together. It doesn't doesn't just stop. That love will carry on through that. So what I want to ask you is, what would it look like if each person at Heritage... Each person, which you are one of, if each person at Heritage were finding, operating in their spiritual gifting, within their everyday circles of influence, in every place they serve in the church, in the truth and love of Jesus. What would that look like? How would we be different? I know, yeah, we're doing very, very well, but what would it look like if every single person grabbed a hold of that spiritual gift they know that God's given them and they use it with one another and they're benefiting one another and equipping one another and teaching one another and discipling one another and loving one another as they need repentance and and they're they're helping them move forward what would what would heritage look like that even more so how can we grow deeper into that and not only within our circles here, but within your circles at work, at school, wherever you're going. And uh, even Heritage as, a, as a, a whole body has circles that we go out to. There's other bodies of believers around. How do we serve them um, as, our, as who we are as Heritage? How do we help them and, and equip them to do things? How would, how would, what would that look like? What would happen? Ask yourself those things. And in conclusion here to the whole thing, let's be looking for ways to grow up into Christ in each of our lives. Take an inventory and say, well, where do I need growth? Where do I need more time spent? Where do I need to water that part of the garden to get it to grow and have life in it more? As we grow up into Christ, the more we grow to love Him and others in simple childlike humility, trust, and love. How would heritage be impacted if we were to grow up to mature adulthood into Christ? If we were to grow up in every way into Christ? And if we were to grow up the body into Christ? How would heritage make an impact in the world around us as a whole? Let's grow up in Christ as a whole person, as a whole person, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Grow up. Grow up into Christ. Look at each other and tell it, Tell the other person again. Grow up. Don't don't stay there at where you're at. Keep going. Let's pray. Well, Father, we, we love You and we're thankful that You are more than we are. That You, we can't find the end of You. That we can always be growing more and more into the head which is Christ. Lord, teach us Show us where to mature more, more deeply. Um, let us get with our discipleship groups and, and look to uh, deepen ourselves in you um, through, through prayer, through speaking to you. Let our prayer simply be, God, grow me up. Grow me up. Grow me deeper into my childlike faith and trust of you. Don't let me lose that, but let me recognize more of you. Let me recognize more of your glory. Let me see the depths of who you are because that will change our lives. Lord, we know that seeing your glory will change our lives. Teach us to grow up, Lord. and Help us to do that in Jesus' name.
1: Amen.